On this week's episode, we have a special guest joining us from the Ubuntu Summit, and that is Mark Shuttleworth. He's going to be joining us for his second interview on the show. And for those who don't know, uh, I'm very close friends with Mark Shuttleworth as we've talked about really? the interview on the show. Huh. Also, I met him again at the Ubuntu Summit. We just hung out for besties, hours huh? and hours and besties. I call him Spaceman, but you can call him Mark. You know, it's anyway. So this, welcome to episode 353 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Michael. I'm Jill. And I'm Ryan. We're also going to be covering our tips, tricks, and software picks and all that sort of stuff so on this episode. So let's get this show on the road toward Destination Linux. This week, I didn't pull the community feedback from our vault of emails because I saw something on Reddit that just, it was such a good question. I had to bring it here, especially for the New Year's episode. I thought it was a great question that was posted because we haven't talked about it in a little while. We've covered this on prior episodes way, way, way back when. But the question I last was week posted, when you were bearing the lead. <laughs> shut up, Michael. Uh, the, the question is, what are your reasons for using Linux? And this oh, that's a really good question. Okay. By Yumi FMB. And the reason why I like this question is because we have so many interviews where we discover how people found Linux. And a lot of people have been in Linux for a long time. I've picked up on some themes. You know, a lot of them came across it in magazine, the Linux magazines where it came with the free CD and things. Right. A lot of people were in college. They were students trying to find alternatives. Uh, something that what didn't cost as much as Unix or other operating systems out there at the time. Um, but they go on to mention that they see people mention Linux for use for weaker hardware, people who can't afford Windows, and of course, privacy and security. But then when you go into the comments, there's a lot of other things. And I thought that was interesting too, because remember, one of the things I wanted to do with my personal YouTube channel was show that, hey, Linux can run on the latest and greatest hardware because I had picked up on the fact that everyone just said, hey, if you have a computer that's old and dying, you can revive it with Linux. But I'm like, Linux is more than that. Linux is for the most powerful hardware too. I mean, it runs on, what, 100% of all the supercomputers? If All it, of them. Maybe it's, all yeah, of them, yeah. All of them now? Because it used to be <laughs> like 99.9. Now it's like purely It's like 100% of the top. 500 supercomputers. I don't think they count. They check everything, but definitely all the ones that make much of yeah, a difference. Yeah. Make the new. And also that, that runs matter. the International Space Station and yeah. most ones of NASA. design Crocs. Yeah, and I mean, we don't know that for sure, but probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So the comments section, I kind of perused through all the comments. There was lots of great comments in there, people telling their stories. Uh, and I found some really interesting ones that I wanted to share. The first one is, it's the best for programming. Mm -hmm. which I thought was really cool. A lot of the IDE sense, options yeah. we have, a lot of great programming tools, and it's out of your way, right? Unlike and also Windows. support for languages is pretty much completely universal, like almost every language, you know? Yeah. yeah. And easy to and, install and you, Python. Yeah. When you think about using Windows or something, you've got all these like ads popping up or yeah. you open and you get pre-installed Candy Crush and all this junk distractions and things because who can avoid that? Solitaire. Uh, in Linux, it's just you can get distraction-free workspace. You can customize you. and make it your own. How dare you diss Solitaire? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Candy Crush because, I mean, no. that game when okay, it first yeah. came out was dope. I don't care what you say. I mean, sure. Matching jelly so. beans? I mean, yeah. Sure, you say so. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they, another one is KDE. I thought you'd like this, Michael. That is much like, more yeah. powerful than Windows Desktop, That's which is true. Arrow. You know? And That's true. I don't think we can argue with that. Yeah. Linux and things that run on Linux pay my bills. I love that so, one. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. So this is not just a hobby for a lot of people. You can make your living. You can have your entire career based on Linux and working for some amazing companies out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about the open source and some of our interviews with DreamWorks and things. So there are right. a lot of companies out there. Last week we talked involved. about what they uh, DreamWorks open source their rendering miss system, like the redistribution system as well. Like it, it's crazy. Like it, it's everywhere. You know, open source mm -hmm. and Linux is everywhere. And also we talked about like on the DreamWorks interview that they use Linux to basically do everything. So you're there's so many reasons that Linux is dominant. There's but there's also one that a lot of people love, and that is the customization that you mm. can do with Linux. Because they mentioned that, yep. right? Not just 
you know, customizing the desktop or the wallpaper, you can basically morph it into whatever you want. You can make it look like Windows. You can make it look like Mac. You can make it function mostly like you everything. You do those 3D uh, window box things that people use. Yep, the yeah, the desktop cube. Yeah. yeah, desktop cube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. The funny the thing is that the cube is back. <laughs> unfortunately, the desktop cube got removed in a feature of a certain yeah. version of KDE, but then the next version of KDE, it is coming back. So yes. uh, don't I, you don't have to worry about not having the cube. <laughs> it's going to return. Yes, the future is nigh. Yeah, that's not what that means. That means oh. it's 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 ending. Oh, the future is now. <laughs> yes. The Speaking cube is of the future also a is GNOME now. extension as well. Oh. There you go, the GNOME extension to have your little is that, 3D desktop. Wait, hold on. What does Nye mean? <laughs> I don't I don't know. It was the Nye before Christmas. It was the no. Nye. <laughs> oh, it's what horses it's nigh. do. <laughs> nigh. That's Nay. <laughs> Man, you thought we'd get smarter in 2024, and you were wrong. All right. You were wrong because we recorded this early. So <laughs> the lots of hate for Windows was also yeah. a big part of why people left. You know, a lot of people just did not like Windows was where Windows was going, where it's gone with the metadata, all of those things. And my favorite one is when I turn it on, it works and is exactly how I left it. So that to me is a very good reason to use Linux, right? That is awesome. Also, by the way, nine means just soon. See? Yeah. The future is soon. You're you're that's the one who's dummy. The future is always soon. That's that's because it's called the future. You you can't candy crush your face for interrupting me with your nonsense. We don't have enough jelly beans for that. Okay. (laughs) So we want to hear your feedback on this. What are some of the reasons you chose Linux? Write us and let us know. Go to tuxdigital.com slash contact. You can help out the show by creating content for the show by sending in your emails, your suggestions, your thoughts on that. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, help us do our jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Sending content. That's not how to say it, Michael. (laughs) Oh, no, oh, okay. they're they're being a part of the show, not yeah, yes, of course being a part of the show. show. It's of an course. honor also to also give us content, but 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 of course, yeah, part of the show. And don't put in there, especially Jill at the end. We know you love <laughs> Jill, especially like we've covered that. You can so, say you know, especially Jill, Michael, and Ryan. If you want yeah. to put Aww. all of it, it's fine. It's fine right. as long as if, or if Jill you want to just exclude it, Michael, you can. But or if you want to exclude me. Ryan, it's okay too. You know, just make sure is you know you know. All right. We didn't make that T-shirt, especially Jill. Yes, that is a check the store t-shirt. soon. Aww. It's coming. Yes, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Namecheap. Now, Namecheap is where we go to get all of our domains. And if you know anything about Michael, who's responsible for our domains, it's there's a lot of them. There's like a lot. And Namecheap is a fantastic place to go and get the domains you need to start your new business and start it cheaply. You can get URLs, you can do self-hosting, you can have WordPress set up for you, or you can just get the domain itself and set all that stuff up uh, elsewhere. They have all kinds of options, whether you're a blogger, small business owner, you have big dreams on the internet, well, Namecheap is the place to check out. So head to destinationlinux.net slash Namecheap to get started and check out all the options that you have for starting your next big business or even small business, or blog, or whatever it is. It's all there. Whether you have a big idea or the next big business, the price is not big at Namecheap. So now it's time to hear Mark Shuttleworth's interview with Michael. No, Michael's interview with Mark. Does he interview you at all here? Does he ask you any questions? He does actually ask me questions. Not necessarily go. relevant to how you, uh, it's not an interview of me, but he did ask me some questions, which was, it was cool. It was, we had a nice conversation. We're, you know, we're best pals. And yeah, uh, we, I, we're on we're on a first name basis, and also I call him Spaceman. It's, it's we have this cute nickname I have. You know, do you guys wear shirts BFF with the arrow, and he has the other arrow? And when you walk no, beside, of course not. That's weird. Not yet. No, yeah. no, no. We just have one where it's kind of like you have like a long sleeve shirt that's like uh you know it's like a a monkey arm that goes across it. So you, when you <laughs> hook it's like it's like this when you the shirts combined to make the oh. picture. That's what it's for. So have you seen the what, magnet socks where they have little ears on the ends of your socks, and then when you get close, they have magnets in them and they connect to show your best friends. It's a oh. it's a thing. I have so, never heard of this. Yeah, you <laughs> can sounds get some very annoying with Shuttleworth. That sounds oh. like the absolute worst experience when you put it into the dryer and it gets stuck in the dryer and you can't find it because it's like stuck <laughs> inside this weird crevice or something with a magnet. Uh, okay. 
Sure. Gonna be amazing. But, gonna be amazing. You know, in all seriousness, we are best friends. And you can check out this uh, new great interview that's coming up right now. So here it is. Roll Enjoy. the tape. Roll that tape. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Welcome to a special interview. You might have recognized the person sitting next to me. It's Mark Shuttleworth of Canonical, and I have quite a few questions. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, so first of all, uh, for those who don't know, maybe like the three people in in the world who's watching this, uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience and uh, let us let us know what your role is at Canonical? I am Mark Shuttleworth. I'm the founder of Ubuntu and Canonical, and I am the, the self-appointed benevolent dictator for life in nice. Ubuntu. I'm, I'm delighted to say that these days, mostly that involves uh, you know, supporting the amazing people that ran the summit and the amazing people that ran the event we held last week and the one we'll hold next week. There, uh, there, there, we, we, you know, there are now lots of people who are really leaders of Ubuntu, and uh, and I'm I'm just a cheerleader, um, and I run Canonical. So I pull the threads of you know how we how we build the business and a customer base, and um, how we build a community and uh, an open platform, and how we enable other communities. I try and pull all of those threads together and uh, and, and and find a balance uh, in the force. Nice. So for those who weren't able to watch the uh, Destination Linux podcast, you can get a full interview with Mark on that. I'll have it linked in the show notes. But so we're not going to go into the full in, uh, interview because that would take like an hour or so, or I think it was longer. Sorry about that. But so first of all, let's talk about the Ubuntu Summit. What was your favorite part about the summit? Ah, there was a, there was a great talk about snapshot.ubuntu.com. So uh, the archive is where all of the packages, the Debian packages are that, that make up Ubuntu. Um, and it's continuously evolving because security and, and new stuff. Um, but sometimes there's good reasons for people to say, hey, I've got 1,500 VMs in a cloud and I want them all to have packages at the, up to exactly the same moment in time, right? Mm -hmm. And then to be able to move that estate, you know, say a week or a month and with perfect control rather than having stuff coming at you from us randomly, it comes yeah. at you kind of when you want it. So that's a cool new capability, and, and it was interesting to hear about the engineering behind that, and then also how some big people at Azure and other people are using that to then build their own services and roll out kind of security updates in a, in a, uh, in a more controlled kind of way. Uh, nice. Yeah. I, I like that. So when it comes to the summits and going to the conferences, there's always a, a problem of conflict between a talk that you want to watch and another talk that you at the exact same time. How many times did it happen to you this way this time? So I, I, I tend to be a lurker at the back so that I can pop in and pop out. Uh, but yes, there were, there were a couple of cases where I needed to be in two places at once and, and uh, had, to, had to toss a coin. Um, <laughs> but usually the problem is you go to the first one and it's so interesting that you like just you kind of miss the other one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that happened to me a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. I even tried to go in and out with some footage, and still sometimes they just suck me into the conversation and, or the, the talk is so interesting and I can't leave. Yeah. So I, I, I totally get what you're saying. So uh, we did a uh, review of 23.10 in a previous episode of Destination Linux, and I'm still running it because it was I just liked it so much on my laptop. So uh, there's a lot of really clear improvements to the desktop experience of Ubuntu 23.10 and much more so than just the past couple of, of releases. So I'm curious, Is it seems as though Ubuntu is now focusing more on the desktop than previously. Yeah. So is, is that a, a fair assessment? In reality, the desktop is a, is a labor of love. I also consider it really important for, for our social mission, right? Linux for human beings. Human beings aren't necessarily developers. They aren't for necessarily, sure. right? right? So I th I've always, it's always been kind of like a first love. It's also like explicitly part of our social mission. And I also think it's really important because the, the sorts of people who invent the future are developers, yeah. right? And, and giving developers a great experience also has always been really, really important. Now, in order to sort of get out of very difficult financial times, 2015, 2016, the opportunity was cloud and the opportunity was enterprise sure. and, yeah. and, and essentially um, building a set of capabilities in Ubuntu and around Ubuntu that will enable people to run their own data centers at scale, run applications better, and deliver things to IoT and so on. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge amount of work, and it has worked, right? Those things, oh, yeah. those things now actually fund 
uh, a, a growing Ubuntu engineering team. And that's now allowing us to bring, to expand the desktop team. So, you know, the extra, mm -hmm. the, the, the sense that you have of accelerating improvement right. is both, a, I think, a function of, of having more people doing that, not just in the desktop team, but in the foundation team. You know, think about better compilers for every language, better runtimes for all of the interpreted languages. If we have more people to drive that, we, we can just get newer stuff and do it better, faster. Right? Yeah. And all of that kind of raises the tide in Ubuntu. And the desktop team is really, I think, kind of enjoying that. The other thing that I would point to is that I think um, Oliver Smith, who's the Ubuntu mm. product manager, has really started engaging in a public conversation around the future of Ubuntu. What, what should we do? What do people want? What would be meaningful? We've got opinions. Um, community leaders have opinions and our users have opinions. And it's just really nice to see how, the, how that conversation is taking place in public. Yeah. It means that when something lands in the distro, um, we, we know that a bunch of people will be excited about it. A bunch of people will know it's coming. It won't be, it won't be you know, shock news in the Daily Mail, right? It'll be, it'll be um, kind of something that, that, that people at least understand the rationale for, even if they didn't necessarily oh, yeah. want it or agree it. And I think that's really helped um, create a more focused kind of plan for each interim release and ultimately where we'll see in April the, the LTSs. Speaking of the release for a April, uh, it's going to be a LTS, so it's mostly like a polished thing. But if you had something you could put on the wish list for the release, what would that be? Well, there's really exciting stuff happening in the realm of architectures and languages. So um, Rust really has come to the fore, and it would be exciting to see key pieces of the platform um, adopting that platform because of the, the, that sort of language, because of the benefits that it brings, both in terms of, of, of safety first, but also in terms of better developer experiences for complicated stuff. Um, and I think also, you know, we're now working really closely with silicon vendors. For a while, we were building our relationships with cloud vendors. Right. Now we're expanding that to go deep with silicon vendors. So really deep with Intel, really deep with NVIDIA. And so what I would hope is that people feel that 2404 is not just an LTS that'll be around for, in fact, at least 12 years. We're now making a 12-year commitment. Oh, really? To each LTS. Yeah, in fact, we're backdating that to, to, to older LTSs. All the ones that are current or um, the ones that would kind of make, would it I don't want to steal somebody else's thunder, Okay. but but essentially 12 years is what we're going to do for 2404. Wow. And we're going to go back and do that for some of the older ones as well. That is a platinum grade enterprise commitment. Yeah, that's more than typical enterprise. Uh, I think that, that <laughs> matches RHEL. Okay. So that matches RHEL. Okay. Um, but we do that across a much broader base of software. So... You know, we used to do that just for main. Now we're doing that for the entirety of the distro, right? 30 some thousand source packages. Wow. Right? So it's a huge commitment. The security team has grown a tremendous amount. Um, obviously some of that is Ubuntu Pro, mm -hmm. right? Sure. But the simple fact is that you can now take, you'll be able to take Ubuntu 2404 and you'll be able to deploy something knowing that you literally can just do app get update on a regular basis for the next 12 years. And that stuff is gonna be secured. Wow. It's gonna be maintained. So, but I want to come back to the idea that not only will it be an LTS platform, but it should also give you the latest and greatest. So it should be super optimized mm -hmm. for current uh, generation silicon, for latest generation silicon from Intel, from Nvidia, um, from Qualcomm, and a bunch of other companies, MediaTek, driving out to the IoT right. sort of world. That and, would be and the yeah, ideal. And that combination of, okay, this thing is enterprise grade, no question about it, and it's like the fastest, the fastest platform you can get for current generation hardware. That's a, that's a really nice thing to, to aspire to deliver. Oh, absolutely. So I, I, would, I know my, my co-host Ryan's wish list is to have uh, kernel and Mesa updates as fast as possible. And I know that that's not necessarily practical in a current you know, Do you know about Arkham? Arkham, no, I don't. Arkham, Arkham's like, you know, like, I think it's a Batman Oh, okay. story, right? Like that, yeah. it's, I oh, think that's Island. where the, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So, so Arkham is um, an Ubuntu flavor. So we call it, you know, the Ubuntu source. It's all of the patches that make the Ubuntu kernel work with, you know, everything out there mm -hmm. applied to 
every single upstream kernel release. So you can, mm -hmm. you know, you can get an Arkham 6.5, an Arkham 6.6, an Arkham 6.7, an Arkham 6.8. Um, so if you really want to live <laughs> in, maybe in the loony bin, um, <laughs> then you can get essentially everything that we would put into an LTS kernel or the HWE, the interim release kernels, but you can get it on literally any um, upstream kernel you like. So That's awesome. okay, there I you love go. I, I don't know if it can, anyone can do better than that, right? <laughs> Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's. Uh, I like how you described it as the Looney Bin, and it's named Arkham. I love that. As a that's that's a fantastic name. <laughs> so, um, let's. Go, I kind of want to go as like a little bit of an abstract question. Um, we talked about it in DL a little bit, but I'm curious about. We, there was an AI panel today, yeah. and some like machine learning sort of stuff. And I was curious, have, has your view changed or been modified over the past? Because AI has been moving so fast. Yeah. We had an interview with you on, you on the show like six months ago. So I'm just curious, has there been any kind of movement on that? What do you feel like well, I don't, AI works with Canonical? I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I, I mean, I, I generally I think the world would be a better place for our ability to, to understand data. I don't think we can take that for granted. Mm. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that we've seen in social media that that these algorithms and the like the 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 the, the, um, the feeling that can be created that something alien knows you better than you know yourself, oh, right? Yeah. Did, did you mean this in yeah. one case, or you know, here's a bunch of social media that's going to keep you scrolling? Um, those things are, can be pretty dark. But if I think of the potential for improving people's lives, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's in health, whether it's in Society, whether it's in education, whether it's in government services, I, you know, I think that potential is enormous. Um, so generally, I, I, you know, think full speed ahead is the right answer. Mm -hmm. Right, like you, you, you won't stop other people from going full speed ahead. So better try enable people with perhaps, you know, positive goals and values to, yeah. to, to be at least as, as far down the curve as people with, with other agendas. And, um, you know, the, the other big controversy that I see is this question about copyright and machine learning. I think learning is not the same as copying, you know what I mean? Like, I think sure. if, if I've read, um, a, you know, all of a, a great author's books, it's going to be, and I'm, and I'm passionate about them, it's going to be almost impossible for me not to embrace some elements of that writing in my own writing, and we would never say that that's copyright infringement. That's true. Right? Yeah. So, so I think, I think there is something about the act of publishing, um, which is a gift, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes people get all technical about that and says fair use and so on. And I understand the need for lawyers and judges, but I think there's this deep principle that learning isn't copying, right? Mm -hmm. You know, go and read a bunch of stuff, and now you've internalized that. Nothing's happened in your brain that isn't happening in uh, a machine learning context. Yeah, right? that's a very interesting perspective of that because I, I haven't thought of it that way. And the the talk, the thing, the idea of that you read a book and then you inherently just accidentally copy it. Because you have been your, yeah. you have been changed, right? Like yeah. we talk about how a, a work of art moves us, changes us, right? We mm -hmm. talk about how we read a book and it changed us, yeah. but it, you know we can we learn stuff, and that's not copying, right? So. For sure. I mean, that's that's a very interesting perspective. And uh, so, as the founder of Canonical, I'm curious because you've seen the open source move and Linux ecosystem move in a variety of ways for a long period of time. And I'm just curious, how would you give? Like, what kind of advice you would give to someone who wants to become part of the community and become an, uh, a contributor, and how they can get involved in open source? Because it it has become a little bit of I wouldn't say convoluted, but something slightly less harsh as that, but not far off. Well, I mean, just think how GitHub has changed the act of, 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 of fixing a piece of software. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you used to have to go and find out where to download it from, and then you had to unpack it, and then you had to figure out who you had to email, and then you had to get into a conversation. So now you just click on the, click on the <laughs> thing, say like, make a, make a, you know, make a, make a branch. Yep. make a PR and you're done. So I, I'm not sure I agree that it's become more conv convoluted to contribute to open source, right? Yeah. And I, some mean, cases, I think, yeah, I think open sure. source has become a much, 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 much bigger thing. Um, and in a sense, that's to the benefit of all of us, right? Oh yeah. You know, imagine you're growing up and you're really, really interested in something over there that's really niche. If there's open source there, now suddenly you can become a contributor in the thing that you're really passionate about. Sure. I think sometimes 
open source went through a kind of a, a pinch point where um, um, uh, really th there was a lot of concentrated focus on like the desktop, right? Oh, Remember yeah. the you know year of the Linux desktop thing, and it, yeah. it was a huge thing that attracted a lot of attention and therefore a lot of contribution. And there's a certain crowd that say, oh well, it's just not the same in in distribution land anymore, but we shouldn't forget that that reason for that is because there is just now so much that talent can be applied to, right? right? And I think that's great. I think that's better. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't have. Sure. I don't. I don't feel yeah. um, uh, that. You know, I guess I was when I said call it convoluted. I meant the the. It's become so well like established that open source is now becoming part of like almost every company, yeah. and they're just everywhere. And then you have situations of people using open source that are not actually open, and in like, and people it might be a little confusing. That's what I, I guess. That's what I was going for. Right. I see. Okay. Well, look, it's always been a little bit true, right? You know, for, it's normal that for every thousand users of a piece of open source, you might get one person sending you a patch, right? Sure. So it has always been a gift, right? Yeah. I think it's a little bit like you shouldn't ever go into a casino not planning to lose money. That's true. I mean. That's true. <laughs> you shouldn't ever go in, the, other than to say, look, instead of going to the movies with my 20 bucks, I'm going to, you know. So, and it's a little bit like you shouldn't ever, you shouldn't ever give to open source without being willing to see other people using that and not necessarily sending you something back, right? Like it is a gift, right? And sometimes I think, understandably, I felt this, you feel like, you know what I mean? Like we do so much, is it too much to ask? But really, um, um, that's you know, part of the satisfaction, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you do. Um, I think the fact that we now have significant corporate adoption and contribution to open source mm -hmm. is part of what's amazing in, in the last 10 years, right? Like we've got giant indus industrial players who will say, okay, let's put 200 engineers on some new thing that's gonna change our industry for all of us and all of our competitors. Sure. Not just in tech, right? Yeah. Not just in tech, in, in um, finance, in uh, logistics, in, you know, and, and I just think that's great. If you, yeah. if, you, if you believed in open source, not just as an, a counter culture, something to poke at big companies, if you believed that it is something to move the world forward, how much, how much bigger is the lever when it's, you know, moving, it's accelerating things we all use every day. Yeah. Right. So I, I can only think of that as a good thing. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. You, uh, you've changed my mind about that. So I, uh, uh, I don't really consider it necessarily convoluted anymore. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. I also am curious, you mentioned the year of the desktop, and that's, that's a joke that's been around for, uh, I don't even remember how long, but let's say, because Linux has dominated everything other than the desktop, yeah. it, it, what do you feel like is maybe the, the, something that could be done, maybe the top three things you think, or maybe even just if there's this one thing, you could think that maybe we could push that threshold over and actually meet that possibility. I'm not sure if this is a good idea, but you asked, so I'm <laughs> gonna tell you. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, like sometimes I sort of feel like, oh man, it's so obvious what we need to do, let's just go and do that. And of course, nobody agrees, so you gotta, <laughs> Um, but this one, I, you, you know what I mean? I have a view, mm -hmm. right? And the view is that we need to accept leadership. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there is a, there is a, 
a, a kind of a constant way in which I think we end up kind of watering down the notion of the free software desktop, right? Mm -hmm. By fragmenting it and fragmenting it, fragmenting it again. And arguably it's like the XKCD thing, right? Well, I'm gonna say that the answer to this, you know, complete incoherent set of standards is yet another standard. Right. Um, but I see us do things where we say, you know, there's a major push, for example, to, to replace the windowing system. But if you challenge the people doing that, well, what, what is it supposed to behave like? They'll yeah. say, oh no, you know, we're just a protocol. Yeah. Right, and exactly. it, and so you say, well, okay, now I know exactly what's going to happen. What's going to happen is exactly what happened based on X, which had the same statement effectively. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And so the net effect then is that is that if you're publishing an application into that ecosystem, you have no real idea how you can make a great experience because mm -hmm. it's going to depend entirely where it lands, right? And that's a very difficult thing to talk about because intrinsically. Yeah, there's something beautiful about the idea that everybody can get different stuff. Um, and so how do you find commonality so that, how do you find commonality that's tight enough that allows somebody who's publishing an application to not worry so much if you're using it on this desktop or that desktop, mm -hmm. um, but it also allows enough freedom for people to, to um, well, to explore different kinds of desktop, right? Mm. That's a hard problem. I've always found that it requires it requires unpopular leadership. Right? Um, sure. Make a case for you know a, a, a little bit of controversy in the yeah. Reddits and the whatnots of the world, right? Like if you don't see that, I guarantee you're going to see nothing interesting coming out of it. Um, um, uh, but it also requires some sort of taste in trying to find that balance between you know what are you going to lock down, what are you going to say like this is it, yeah, right. And then how are you going to give do justice to the idea that, that there can be a lot of creativity on the other side of that, mm -hmm. right? How do, you, how do you balance those things? Um, that's an interesting and hard problem. Oh, yeah. Maybe now we're kind of getting our desktop mojo back, we can, we can join that conversation again. Yeah, I, would, I would like to see that for sure. I think that it already is there because you were talking about the essentially, if you're, if you're not getting any hate, you're not doing something right. Is, is that's a dangerous thing to say, right? Because it's 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 what it's what a it's what a nasty autocrat would say. They'd say, "Well, obviously, I'm doing something right because people are standing up against me, right?" Okay, man. and so it, well, it's true, right? It's yeah, exactly. True. I mean, like we don't have to go too far to find current examples. Um, uh, so you can't, you know, it's like when people say something really nasty and they say, "Oh, I'm just being honest." And it's like, well, you're just saying what's in your head. That's not quite the same. That's, that doesn't make it virtuous. Do you know what true. I mean? <laughs> um, but yes, I would say. If you have if you have very good intentions and you're trying really hard to balance stuff, but you're determined to to make something which is going to to um, solve some of these problems, it will be controversial, like for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple more questions. The first thing is about the summit itself. Mm -hmm. So I had a fantastic time. There's like last year was great. This year was even better. I think there was twice as many people this time. I, 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 well, we have fantastic local community, right? So there's a yeah. chunk of people here, Latvian community, Latvian open source. I met quite a few. Did a bunch of the work in, in pulling the event together and came out in force. So that, 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 yeah. that, that was lovely to see. That's awesome. I, I met uh, many people from Latvia that, that was uh, like people who were in the developers already and people who were students. And it was really interesting, you know, discussions and things. And I'm curious, what would you say, like, what would be like a, if you could change just, you know, something to be like a perfect event, what would you want to, uh, for next year to be, for how would you want the summit to be next year? Um, well, I don't want this summit, you know, it's called the Ubuntu summit, but I don't want right. it to feel like that, that, that to be here, Ubuntu has to be the biggest thing for you. I actually think the, the open source leadership voice mm -hmm. is what, is what is fascinating, right? Um, so people doing things at, you know, way away from Ubuntu um, are, are, are super interesting to bring together. So I hope we can continue to expand our reach and bring together leaders, people who are breaking things or, you know, and making things um, that, that may have nothing to do with Ubuntu at all. Inevitably, because Ubuntu's very popular, very widely used, inevitably, if you're doing stuff in open source, unless it's, 
you know, very specifically not in Ubuntu. If it's essentially software that could be in Ubuntu, you'll have a lot of people from the Ubuntu world touching right. it and interacting with it, right? So how can we make that experience nice? Nice for the, the leaders, the makers, the creators, the publishers, as well as consumers, right? That, mm -hmm. That's stuff that's interesting to me. But I, I really want to feel like this is a place where we talk about the future of open source and and how we make it better, you know, for for both the creators, the publishers, the uh, the inventors, the leaders, the upstreams, and for people who just want to use it. Um, clearly, in this forum, you know, we're thinking about the pipes that are that are Ubuntu pipes, right? Because like, mm -hmm. those are the things we can change. But I I don't want the summit itself to become just an Ubuntu event. Yeah. I I could I could see since that um, from l last year it was it felt like that because it was also the first year but this year there was so many different yeah, talks this year that was a real change yeah. I saw I saw people who are doing groundbreaking things in open source has nothing to do with with Ubuntu and 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 getting them here challenges the Ubuntu community and the canonical team to say well that stuff is amazing and people really want it how do we how are we going to connect that how are we going to make it really easy yeah that's that's awesome there was a talk from multiple talks from DreamWorks. Yep. I was not expecting to see a DreamWorks talk, and as soon as I saw the timetable, like, uh, okay, that is favored. I favored it, I'm going to make sure I see that one. Uh, but there's there's a, a lot of uh, things I think about the, the Ubuntu Summit that's not really widely known about it, because everybody sees it as the Ubuntu conference. And I, I feel like it's, it's much more than that. It's much more than just the open source part. It's the community around the the summit is 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 actually amazing because I don't know how. Maybe it just it's it just happens this way, or I don't know. Maybe it's something. I don't know to do what with we. It. I don't know what we could do to kind of slightly distance it from from from. We could call it the canonical summit. That would that would perhaps set expectations the, the wrong way. But if we actually delivered on that more open source story, that could be that could get a reputation, right? Yeah, uh, I think that the even the name Ubuntu is 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 such a wonderful choice because it's 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 exactly what it's intended to be. The whole the the, the Linux for human beings uh, original slogans kind of thing. It it fits so well that I think that the Ubuntu Summit really if if you, you could apply it to that side too. It doesn't have to be just about the dis operating system. It could be also about the the, the philosophy into. So I, I like the name, and I think that people should kind of maybe we can do more promotional aspects of expressing it's it's both the philosophy and the distro as yeah. well. Uh, but so for Ubuntu and like uh, the canonical, and it's been around for the since two thousand four, making Linux for human beings. And a lot of people, including most everyone here that I've talked to, said that they either started with Ubuntu or came back to Linux because of Ubuntu. And it's become the synonymous example of this is a distribution that pretty much anybody can get started with and it's the easy way to get into Linux. What would you, if you could choose something else in addition to that to be known for in the next five years for Ubuntu, what would that be? Um, so, I mean, very clearly, it's important to us that people b believe that it is the platform they can run their businesses on. There are huge businesses now that literally do run on Ubuntu, mm -hmm. but to have that be widely understood, widely, widely acted on, obviously, that is important for Canonical and through Canonical for us to keep growing our reach and our expand, uh, our, 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 our expanding our scope in open source. Mm -hmm. right? So that enterprise story is kind of critical. Um, I think the desktop again, you know, like blazing, blazing a trail on right. the desktop. I, I don't want to speak for that team, but I think they've spoken pretty clearly for themselves, right? Like I, you I talked agree. about twenty three ten, right? There's a bit of a declaration of intent there. Yeah. Um, so that would be that would be satisfying to see that. And then, I, I like I do think there are these two, these two incredibly challenging worlds where people try to use open source at scale. One is the, the, the cloud world, which isn't just public clouds, it's, it's all distributed systems. How do we make that really easy for people? How, how, can, how can we make it so that it is really easy to spin up a complex topology of stuff running on bare metal, stuff running in VMs, stuff running on Kubernetes, all woven together, you know, and then just be able to say, you know, at scale, highly available, and, and do that kind of before you've finished coffee in the morning yeah. and then say, oh, I can just leave that for the next 10 years. 
you know what I mean? Like yeah. it'll take traffic and it'll get updated and if something dies, it'll get fixed. That's a, that's a crazy ambitious dream, right? Yeah. Um, and if you think that most of the pieces in that would be pure open source pieces for sure, and then there'd be the things that people are writing for themselves, um, it's, that would be a great thing to do for open source. I mean, if, if all of those pieces are there in open source, but it is literally impossible to stand it up and walk away and have it still be there in 12 years time, then that open source is not kind of delivering everything it could deliver. Right? Yeah, I think. So, so that's this one hairy, ambitious, crazy goal. <laughs> um, that's really the Juju story. That's what we're trying to do with Juju and with Charms. And you start to see the pieces falling into place there. And then the other end of the spectrum, you have, okay, so pe people are now making incredible things that are super smart. Like I can, like you can afford to put, if you've got an electronic dog flap, you can afford to put four cores, two gig of RAM, you know, you, you know a camera, and, and you can do incredible stuff with that, with open source software. Yeah. So how do we make that, how do we make that easy? How do we make that um, uh, safe? How do we make it so that you can then sell that dog flap in every country where they have, legal requirements that you either use this crypto or you do security updates for a certain amount of time or you, how do we make that easy, right? Oh, how yeah. do we make it straightforward? In both cases, there's business goals, right? No one's gonna stand up and run, write complex topologies of cloud software, you know, for, for, for personal reasons, right? Yeah. And, and similarly, if you're making a dog flap, it's pretty much, you know, if you're not a tinker at, you know, maker, then it's to sell it. But, but those are important things to support. Open source should be making that more and more accessible, more and more possible. Mm -hmm. I'd love to crack those problems. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Uh, that would be fantastic. I do have a quick follow-up with that. What is a dog flap? A, do a dog flap? Do you have dogs? Yes. Okay. So we have dogs and we live on a, 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 like a farm. And so the dogs have their own door. Oh, that. Yeah. And the door, because we live in a farm in a in a place that can be cold, wet, and windy all at the same time. We used to have a, do a, a dog flap, which was literally just a flap. Right. The problem is the wind would open the flap. Oh, yeah. And so this caused some sort of domestic confusion. <laughs> so we got an electric dog flap, which basically when a dog <laughs> comes up to it, it opens the door <coughs> so the dog can come through and then it closes the door. So, nice. okay. um, but it's not very smart. Gotcha. I think I think the next dog flap that I buy, it's yeah. censoring to see if it's the right dog. That, yeah. that sort of thing, for example, speak friend and yeah. enter. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, I have a couple more. I'm not sure if you remember, but at the end of Zestation Linux, we typically do a lightning round of yeah. fun questions, and uh, we have some more for you. These are different questions, but same kind of style. Uh, first of all, uh, cheeseburger versus pizza. Cheeseburger. That was a quick decision. I like it. Okay, so uh, the next one is Emacs and Vim. Vim. Vim, okay. Uh, also very quick with that one. You're, I you're, no you're idea a... how to use Emacs. <laughs> I've specialized very early. <laughs> um, so the next one is tabs versus spaces. Ooh. I know that's a controversial I, one. I, I think we screwed this up in the Python community because it's clearly spaces, but it, I should, it should have been tabs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I prefer to put use tabs to inject spaces. That way I can do both. Yeah, here we go. I'm circling the drain. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, also, uh, Marvel versus DC. Marvel. And I guess the last one would be coffee or tea? Coffee. Oh, okay. That's, that was a little surprising to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, no, coffee. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll hopefully, I hopefully will be able to see you next year at the next Ubuntu Summit because this was fantastic. And I just expect, you know, greater things in the next year, too. So thank you so much Super for joining us. Nice to see you again. Yeah, thank you. Do you ever wonder what kind of games AI will create? Are you worried AI is going to replace game developers for good? Well, check out Mr. Bid, an AI-generated game, and judge for yourself. This it's game, probably terrible. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this game is available to play via web browser or as an awesome flat pack. It's basically the graphics of Modern Warfare 3 with the playability <laughs> of Diablo 4. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was exaggerating a little bit. There, yeah. <laughs> but if you're worried your game development years are numbered, check it out and realize AI still has a very long way to go. 
And in this game, you can have fun bonking ghosts on their heads with a candy cane in a very surreal first-person shooter. I mean, a surreal first-person bonker. Oh, LOL. look at that. <laughs> Yo, why are you adding in the dad joke things in there? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, well you're done. taking on too much, Michael, there. Aww. Well done. I, I appreciate the dad jokes, but it's not just me because <laughs> yeah. it shows how valuable they are. And also yeah. it the shows society. that it shows to society just how much joy you can have from a terrible joke. Yeah. So good. You know, Michael's so rubbing good. off on me. <laughs> That's also this reminds me of a, of a thing where this one rapper said that he loves this game because, oh, his name is Ghost Malone. Uh-huh. And uh, so... Ghost yeah, that's not Malone yeah, loves yeah. this because, oh my gosh, man. Uh, I need to go work out. Jill, do you have something in the software spotlight that might help me? Yes, absolutely. go help the gym, bro. <laughs> absolutely, Ryan. So we had Vincent write us in a prior episode about calorie trackers that are open source. Well, mm-hmm. this week, our spotlight is an exercise timer that is open source. This is nice. awesome. If you're getting into fitness at home and want to track your workouts, Check this app out. It's available once again as an awesome flat pack. Exercise Timer is a simple utility to conduct interval training. Following a short preparation period, a prescribed number of exercise sets are played. And in between each exercise, there is a resting period, which is awesome. Yeah. And there's so many cool features of the Exercise Timer. You can save and recall Presets containing the number of sets and the duration of the exercise and rest periods set the duration of the preparation in the settings, and a beeping sound is played at minus and prior to each transition, and the volume of the sound can be adjusted, and there's light and dark mode, which follows the system settings, and that's very important to all of us here on Destination Linux. If you don't make it dark mode, you're dead to me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, believe me, I agree with that statement 100%. <laughs> like, I can't deal with the blindingness of a non-dark mode these days. Yeah, especially when you're on one app and it's dark and you switch to the other app oh. and it's not. Oh, it's yeah. the worst. I have actually already used this app uh, doing, because I, I often like to ride my exercise bike and then yeah. I do stretches. So I do a series of stretches before I get on my bike, a pause and then get on the bike and ride and then get nice. off it and do more stretches because it really helps my muscles. Yeah, the interval training really help you out a lot. And it's yeah. a lot of perfect settings that you need for home gyms or heck, even if you go to the gym and yeah. install it on something, you can run it there. Our tip of the week this week is going to give you solutions for finding alternatives to various different applications. You could refer to it as an alternative to because <laughs> that's what it's called. Alternative to.net is a website that you put in whatever application you're looking for, and it gives you alternatives. In addition to that, it gives you various different ranking systems based on people's voting and also comments to let you know if there's any change happening with the application or if the application that is listed as an alternative is deprecated or whatever. It's a fantastic website that has over 115,000 apps in the database and also this alternatives for it. It also has ranks from over 1.7 million users, which shows you that there's a lot of opinions out there. And (laughs) there's also a lot of really good applications this way because you can specify the platform you want. So you can go to it and look for an alternative and then say, I only want alternatives for Linux. And it makes it much easier to find them. You can even classify it by open source if you want to as well. Really cool. Uh, This is a great site that you should probably have it bookmarked. I have a bookmark and I have it specially set up so that when I push the uh, the AT or just I also made it A2 on my keyboard and then push space, you can do like a quick shortcut in your basically every browser has custom keyword keywords you can attach to your search engines in your browser. And I ha- it's, this is so good that I've had this in my custom search engines for hmm. probably like, I don't know, 10 years at this point. It's very good. So check it out. Alternative2.net. We have some exciting news to share with you that we are going to be at Scale 2024. It's coming. It's right around the corner. March 14th through the 17th. I mean, it's actually over three months away. Right around the corner. (laughs) Wait, no, now it's actually only, it's still three months away because. Yeah. Right around the corner. 
Right okay, around the runs. corner. Right around the quarter. <laughs> right the, around the quarter. Right uh, around the Pasadena quarter. Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California. That Why do you want to be there? Well, number one, there's going to be awesome vendors, all that stuff. But especially Jill. Especially Jill's <laughs> going to be there. But don't Michael's send us messages that says especially Jill. But, yes. but Jill will especially be there. She will especially yes. be there with her penguin hat. That's how you'll find her. And then you have to come talk to Michael and me first to gain entry to talk to Jill. That's how it works. <laughs> Exactly. To show us respect, and then she, we decide. Is, we we put her in a booth that is surrounded by plexiglass, so you can see her, but you can't talk to her <laughs> unless we open the door. Just, just say, <laughs> "All right, yeah, that's how it works at scale." Now, now we've got that settled. The guidelines are set. All right, yeah. We'll see Especially you there Jim. at scale. And a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening, however you do it. We love your faces. Come join us on the Discord. Go to tuxdigital.com slash discord and you know what you could talk about all kinds of topics there you already have something in common with everyone you love this show especially jill so you can go talk to all those rooms you can go in there and say hey i love jill and that's your conversation starter we should have a room in there just says especially jill especially jill everyone would just move to that room and all the room other rooms at all times no one would be leaving any other room yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. so we won't do that but we've got games movies whatever board games whatever you want to talk about linux open source general conversation it's all there available Go check it out. Absolutely. And we also have a special section for our patron rooms inside the Discord server where you get information about new episodes that are coming out and what we're going to be talking about, who we're going to have on our show, the interviews we're going to have, all this sort of stuff. You can get all of that by becoming a patron and going to tuxdigital.com slash membership. In addition, you can also watch the show live as it is being recorded and join us for a patron-only post show that happens every week after the show. And if you can't make it to the show, you can also get unedited versions of the show and so much more. All of this at tuxdigital.com slash membership. And you're going to get so many great perks that we don't even have time to list them all. So just go there and check it out. Also, if you want to help support the show, you can get us some get some swag from our store at tuxdigital.com slash store. We have hats, mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and so much more. Tuxdigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Tux Digital. That's right. We have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with awesome geeky goodness. Check out our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. You can watch it live most Saturdays or participate and join in the discussion. The choice is yours, but you can meet all kinds of awesome Linux and open source enthusiasts. And everyone head to textual.com and subscribe to all our great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone.